services. Living Word Bible Church. Good morning to people who have joined. Testing. Good morning to people who have joined the live service. I'm reading from Psalms 51 to 1 to 17. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right, and when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts, you teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in my pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, this God who saves me from my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O God, Lord, open your lips, and I will and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Thank you, Tiffany. Good reading. I think you're off to a junior church. Thank you, Sarah. And hey, bless you guys. Have fun. Hey. I think we're just on audio today, which means I can move around without any concern about the video missing me. So be afraid. No, not really. Let me tell you about, um, we can start the message there. Mission Impossible. I don't know if you can Mission Impossible fans. I know Sid likes it. Uh, is there another one due? Sid, there is one due, isn't there? I thought there was. Well, look, anyway, look, Rogue Nation. Uh, that's one of the ones I particularly like. Benji there, he helps. Ethan is the guy who comes up with the plan. Benji helps him. And Benji always has these comic book bits where, where you know, he expects way too much of Ethan. The impossible. And whenever Ethan does the impossible, Benji's like, oh, you know, what took you so long? Uh, one particular funny one is when... Uh, where he's got to dive in, you know, underneath this, this, uh, this uh, IT place on the deep water in a very dangerous environment. And he's got to hold his breath for three minutes in order to get this chip. Okay. 
you know, and this lady's explaining all this to him, what he's got to do and how tough he's going to be, you know, and there's Ethan, you know, thinking this is going to be a task because if he's the second over, he's going to die. And Ethan's, and, and Benji's response is, ah, no sweat for you, mate. You'll be okay. <laughs> he almost dies doing it. Sometimes things can appear, to some of us at least, far simpler than they really are. Bear that in mind. I want you to bear that in mind. So look, this is our third session in Jonah. Okay, and we've so here's what we are. We want, I want to do a big recap, but God's purposes for us, though delayed, will come to pass. The certainty and urgency of God's mission agenda, God's loving kindness encompasses all of his creation, and there's hope for the Ninevites in Jonah's sermon. That was last time. There's hope for the Ninevites in Jonah's sermon. So look, it took him a while to get going, but he eventually arrives in what? The best Western hotel, Nineveh. Okay? He only, this is a quick, you know, parachuting and get out mission. He wants to be in and out faster than you can blink. And I think John has worked out that if he speaks as fast as me, okay, he can get this thing wrapped up, sealed, complete in three days. It's, it's small enough for that. His sermon, uh, do you know how many English words it is? You're going to need your Bibles very shortly, so grab them if you haven't got them. His sermon, how many words is it in English in most translations? Someone have a count. If you, if you got it there, how many English words is it? Eight. eight. It is. It's eight English words, five Hebrew words. Hebrew words. Okay? That's, a, that's what Jonah puts down when he writes his account. Why do you think his sermon is here in just five Hebrew words? What is it? What, it, what style of writing is this? What's he doing? John has written this book, we think. This is a summing up of his sermons. He's preached a lot there, okay? And I doubt very much this is a sermon of five Hebrew words. This is a summing up. You know Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? How many chapters does he cover? Five, six, seven? Was it three or four chapters? Okay? How long does that take you to read, Lorraine? Half an hour? Half an hour. Do you know? Ten, ten minutes. Do you know? <laughs> Depends. No one could have read in about three minutes. Well, the hell done in three minutes. That Sermon on the Mount lasted several days. And all we have is a summing up. This is Jonah's summing up of his message. Okay, so, so he, he preached much longer than that. That's my excuse for preaching so much longer. Okay, but that was the gist of his message. And the gist of his message was... Syria, <coughs> because you're wicked, okay, you're going to be destroyed. What do you think that, what are the ramifications? What happens if you destroy the capital city of any country? You destroy the country. That's the issue here. This isn't just Nineveh. This is the end of Assyria. That's the point. So Jonah does his sermon. We said last time, this is an important bit. His sermon was ambiguous. If we turn to verse 4. Remember, someone read verse 4 to me, just loudly. John chapter 3, verse 4. Remember the word? And I, I, I did, has someone got a Bible? John 4? John 3, verse 4? Carry on, mate. Yeah. 
Thank you. 14 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. How does, you were here last week, so prime person. How does that sound? What does it sound like God's going to do in 14 more days? Destroy the city, but he doesn't. This is Hebrew, okay? In Hebrew, there's a word there, hathas, okay? It can mean either overthrow, destroy, or overturn, or turn around. The real meaning of his sermon is that the universe is going to either turn around or God's going to destroy the city. And it's from there that we have number five today. The gifts, the gifts of faith and repentance are graciously given to the Ninevites. The gifts of faith and repentance are graciously given to the Ninevites. First four English words of verse 5. The Ninevites, finish, the Ninevites believe God. Wow! Jonah did not see that coming. No, no, remember, this was meant to be in and out. There is absolutely no way he had planned for this. He <coughs> Houston hears the news about you claps their hands at your fall for who has not felt your endless cruelty these are terrible people terrible people okay but to these brutes wicked evil i mean who to skin somebody alive as a form of torture and deterrence is awful these evil people that jonah goes to were told in verse 5 and first four english words they believe God. Now, would you, what do you think about that? It sounds pretty hard to believe, doesn't it? Would you say? And, and tell me, why does it sound pretty hard to believe? Because you're going to be wrong, and I'm going to, I won't embarrass you, but you're going to be wrong. Okay. You're going to put me wrong now, aren't you? Because they didn't have, they had other gods. Exactly, and you're wrong. Because I told you you were wrong, didn't I? I just said it was Yeah, thank you. Someone else have a go. Why? And I'm going to work with you. You're going to be wrong, so don't worry about it. Why is this impossible? Why does this sound impossible? That the Ninevites believed. He said that. He's copying your answer. Good, good try. But, but you're, you're equally as wrong as him. He was wrong and you're wrong. <laughs> okay. And the answer's in Matthew. Turn with me. The first book of the New Testament. This is why this is impossible to believe. And someone, when you see the text, you can answer the question. It's Matthew 19, the first book of the New Testament. Okay. The Matthew chapter 19, verses 25 and 26. Someone have a read of 25 and 26 and tell me why I'm saying what just occurred in Nineveh is impossible and Graham got the answer wrong. Why is it impossible? Yeah, with God, but why is it impossible for Ninevites to believe God? It's in there. Why is it impossible? Why have is what we've just witnessed impossible. Because? I'll read it to you. 
When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, What? Yes, I get the God bit. Okay. With man, it's impossible to believe in God. That's what he said. It is impossible, Graham, for the Ninevites to believe God. It's impossible. That is the issue we're dealing with. And Jesus deals with it here, is that as humans, in the state that we're in now, it's an impossibility to believe God. It was impossible for these brutes, not because they were brutes, not because they believed in other gods, although they contributed to it, but because they were human. It is impossible for humans, says Jesus. Look, it is impossible, says Jesus, for any human to believe in God. And that's exactly what Jesus was illustrating with Nicodemus. Turn with me to John. It's got Matthew, Mark. I'll do better this time than I did with the Old Testament book. Matthew, Mark, there's a song if you want to make it easy. Luke and then John. Someone turn to John, please. John chapter 3. The most, fam- one, the most famous chapter in John. Okay, Jesus will illustrate there again what's going on here. That it's impossible for people to believe God. John chapter 3. Someone have a go. Would you read 2 and 3 for me, please? And you'll see the answer. Three, two, and three. Someone just loudly, I may repeat it if I need to. You there, Catherine? Thank you. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Okay, stop there, Catherine. So first thing, Nicodemus says, I believe in you. I can see that you're from God. Okay? This is what he's saying. What does Jesus say to him? So Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, I know who you are. I believe in you. What does Jesus say to him? No, you don't. No, you don't. Because no one can believe in me. No one can see the kingdom that I preach. Unless what happens? Unless God happens. Can you see the point? It is impossible for humans to believe in God unless You know, telling someone, just believe. It's that simple. We all do it, don't we? Just believe. Like, it's that simple. It's as simple as me asking Nikki, if she's here, okay, to walk up the Empire States building. It's the highest building left there in New York, I think. Oh, the, the, the two, two, those two replace the World Trade Centers are higher, are they? Okay, thank you. And me saying to, to Nikki, here's a cape. It's got S written on it and it's blue. <laughs> Jump off. I'll see it on the bottom. Stupid, isn't it? It's impossible. Hey, do you know, apparently, I, got, I did a boat tour around there once many, many years ago and someone jumped off because it was a popular suicide spot. And a gust of wind came and put them back on. Seriously, it's one of, the, one of the stories I tell you on the boat trip. They jumped off deliberately and a gust of wind put them back on. Boy, did he know he was meant to live. 
But look, that is to say to, to somebody, someone, just believe. It's simple. Jesus died for you. Easy. You believe, you get heaven. It's impossible, says Jesus. Several times, and if I'm going to show you more text shortly, it's absolutely absurd. When Jonah preached, he was at, uh, to listen to the voice, he had nothing to worry about because the thing he was asking them to do, if he preached his sermon properly, was completely outside the possibility of the Ninevites to do anyway. He had nothing to worry about. They can't believe because no human can believe in and of themselves. There's more. I'm gonna, I'll stretch it a little more, but let me just say even more. That's impossible, number one. You know, it's a saying about doing impossible things before breakfast, isn't there? Something that is, isn't there? Okay, that's impossible thing, number one. They believe. There's two impossible things going on here. The second impossible thing is verse... And the next verse, sorry. My fault. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, Thanks, mate. They believe God, impossible thing number one. Impossible thing number two, they put on sackcloth. It's impossible. Have you, have you, have you ever tried it? It doesn't fit. It's impossible. It's absolutely what's just occurred. Is it that you meant to read Nineveh? Uh, this is impossible. What's impossible? What's the second impossible thing? Yes, that's what it is. I didn't hear that. Sorry. Repentance. Yeah. Repentance. That's what they've just done. And I'll give you a couple of commentators. Number one, fasting is a means of seeking God's mercy, while sackcloth is a symbol of repentance. I'll bring it, and if you don't believe one, I'll give you another one. It was a common means in the ancient world of expressing grief and humility and penitence, which are the hallmarks of true repentance. That the first impossible thing was they believed God. The second impossible thing is they've repented towards God. Repentance is Acknowledging that what we've done is an offence to God. So it requires belief first. Okay? It's subsequent to belief. It, ex it acknowledges that it's a stench to God. It breaks his code and standard for life. It accepts that he is the judge of all the earth, that he has a right to stipulate how people live on his planet. That's repentance. And, and, it fo and it's followed by deep remorse, and a complete turnaround of one's life. A complete change in direction. Repentance is a massive word. And it's something that is impossible for any human to choose to do. Unaided. Unaided. Would you turn with me to Ephesians and just keep Ephesians open because I'm going to stay there for a little while now. And I'll show you how both faith and repentance are impossible. I've already told you Jesus said it, but if you don't believe Jesus, I'll show you Paul. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Acts, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians. 
If you've gone to Philippians, you've gone too far. Ephesians chapter 2. Read with me, if you would. As for you, it's the plural you is talking to people, okay? As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Fact number one, the pro- without any interaction with us as humans, we are dead spiritually because of our sinfulness, because of our relationship to Adam. That's our condition. It continues, verses 4 and 5. Okay, And this is what happens when God's word is preached by the power of the Spirit. Verses 4 and 5 now. But because of his great love for us, so it starts with God, it doesn't start with me, it doesn't start with my faith, it doesn't start with my repentance, because those things are impossible for me. It starts with God's love for us. Because of God's love for us, and, it's, and, and because of his rich mercy, what does he do? He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. That should ring a bell, okay? We were dead, he made us alive with Christ. Now, if you're thinking of Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, can you see how these two link up? He was talking to Nicodemus about being born again. And Jesus is saying that Paul is now saying, you're dead, you've got to be raised to life. Being born again is a resurrection experience. It's the bringing to life of something that is dead. John 3, 3. And go back to Ephesians. Ephesians, now verses 8 and 9. By the way, whilst you're away, you jumped off the Empire State's building. I think you're dead. Okay? Um, so verses 8 to 9. Jed will tell you about it later. Uh, verses 8 to 9 of Ephesians 2. Okay, uh, if you can just get there. Listen to this. For it is by grace you have been saved. Okay? Through, what's the next word? It's by grace you've been saved through faith. You've been saved through faith which is all, Graham, your own effort. Now, read the rest of the text for me, please, if you would. It's through, you've been saved through faith. And what does he say next? And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Why? Where did the Ninevites get their faith? It was a gift of God. It wasn't self-generated. It's impossible to generate. It's something that exists with God... It's something that God has to impart. It begins with God and his love and his mercy and it ends in you getting a chunk, a bag full of faith. Repentance. Acts. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts. Just go back two books. Is it two books or three books from where you are, Ephesians? I can't count backwards Um, when I'm standing up here. Three books. Thanks, Graham. Uh, okay, go back to Acts. Acts 11. Someone turn to Acts 11 for me. Verse 18. Acts 11. Nikki, are you there? You've got it easy on your console. Acts 11. I'm not there. Are oh, you not there? Okay. Whoever's there, Acts 11, verse 18. Be sure your sins will find you out. Uh, Acts. You, you there again? Well, why are you always there before everybody else? I'm there, but I can hardly read it. <laughs> okay, well, we'll let him read it. Acts 11, verse 18. And this is, this is a, before he reads, this is the question you're asking yourself. I've shown you now, hopefully I've proven to you, that faith can only be received by, from God. You don't have it yourself. You can't exercise it yourself. There's no point in me beating you up to believe, because you can't do it of yourself. Where does repentance come from? Thank you, Graham. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, 
So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. What did he give even the Gentiles? He gave them repentance. Why did the, why did the Ninevites believe God and repent of their sins? Because when Jonah was preaching, what happened? Yeah. I haven't got... You don't need to turn to this. Faith, it's it's Romans, Romans 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What did an invite believe? Because there's no power. It's not, and their lack of belief has nothing to do with the fact they're evil. But they now believe because when Jonah preached, God's spirit was there. And what was God's spirit doing to these people? Bang! 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 Get a lot of that! He's given them bags of faith, bags of repentance, which they then in turn responded to. Wow. It's right. This is what's going on, isn't it? It's true. We are doomed. We've offended God. He's real. What are we going to do about it? Through his spirit, you were dead. He regenerated you, regenerated you, which means you had a resurrection. You came to life. You received faith. You exercised it. Okay, you know when you says, I believe in Jesus, or when he went forward in the meeting, and when he says, I commit myself to you, that was because he gave you a bag full of faith. That's why you got out the seat at that crusade. And that's why before you sat in that seat, you didn't even want to be there. But when he was sitting there, and when Billy preached his sermon, God's servant, God's spirit rather, went out to you and gave you faith. That's why you got out. That's why you said yes. That's why you bowed the knee. That's why you felt remorse. That's why you were broken. That's why you're walking with Jesus today. And that's what Paul tells us in Philippians, because, he, because the thing is, you've started something that was impossible, and we forget this, we then assume naively, but now that I'm in, I can do it myself now. And so Paul has to tell us in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Because he wants you to know the third secret, and it's not in here, but the third secret it's not only do you have to receive faith and repentance from God so you can exercise it. You daily need, daily need Jesus to keep you in faith and repentance. Almost, salvation is almost a supernatural reality that keeps needing to be fueled supernaturally for it to continue. When you see someone's salvation that hasn't continued, there's two answers. What are they? When you see someone's salvation presently living hasn't continued since their faith, repentance and baptism and they're not walking with God today, there are two, maybe more, but I can think of two conclusions you can make. What are they? Considering everything you've just heard, and by that you mean it wasn't real. Okay, number one, it wasn't real. Because if it's real, 
Philippians 1. He who began a good work in you. Okay? So either Jesus is pathetic, a failure, and he can't do what he says, or he wasn't real. Can you see? That's one or two. But there is a second conclusion, and this is the one I hold on to, and you want to hold on to too. What's the second possible conclusion? A, it was a stillbirth. It wasn't real. It wasn't real birth. They haven't really been made born again. Or B, and this is the one you want to hold on to, there's an alternative possibility, which is... Yes. God allows, even those who's keeping in faith, he allows them to wander a little. You did it with your own kids, didn't you? Every now and then, you'd let them wander a little so that they learn the lesson. And so when someone is no longer walking with God, yes, Pam, they may never have truly been converted. And God will deal with that in due time. But the latter, and it's, it's, it's the hope I'd like to use myself, is that God does allow genuinely converted people to have a season, or many seasons. In fact, look at your life, Catherine. If you're honest, if you're anything like me, maybe, maybe you might not be as bad a sinner as me, but you know there's been lots of seasons when you, God has let you go. Who here, has had the, who here has had the consistent journey with Jesus? We've all had those seasons. And so we never write off anybody who no longer comes to church. Well, we don't, we don't do this stupid thing. I'm sorry for using that word. Oh, they're saved. You know, they're okay. They just don't come to church anymore. Please don't say that. Tell you for what it is. They're no longer walking with God. But I have hope that they, their profession of faith was real. And to that end, I'm praying that God will go after. And he says he does it, doesn't he? And it means that you have to go after them. It means your church has to keep praying for them. It means you keep calling them up and you keep asking them to come back to church. You never give up on them. Because if what they did was real, God is just waiting to answer your prayer. And whatever... Grant them back in. Yes. And that's what we're praying he does. And so, yeah, we may backslide, but God will call us back. I need to finish. I think my time is up. I've got four minutes. So let me wrap this up in four minutes. Uh, what do I need to say? A point of application. A point of application. Not backsliders now, but people outside of faith. What is it that your grandson, you haven't got one yet, have you? But soon, soon. Your granddaughter grandkids, your best friend, your uncle, okay, your neighbour, your work colleague. For them to come to repentance and faith, what do they need? What did God use in Nineveh for the Ninevites? What do they need? I know they need repentance and faith, but for that, what do they need? What triggers that? Hear the word. Hear the word. Hear the word. <laughs> How are you going to get your family converted, your neighbour converted, your grandson converted, your husband and wife converted, your best pal converted? You've got to get them under the word. Because that's what does it. Faith comes when someone is under the word. You might not be able to get them to church on the first visit because we live in an age now where people don't go to church because it's not cool, generally. And so this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to invite them to Alpha. Really? Or invite them around for a coffee and a Bible study. Or go and visit them when they're sick and say, can I read a verse of the Bible to you? 
or give them a pamphlet or a leaflet. We've got to get them under the word. Eventually, we might get them to a church service. Send them a link to the website. Maybe they'll listen to something or a YouTube video. But faith comes by hearing. And so the only way anyone's going to receive faith and repentance is if they hear God's word. And pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that God would lead them to hearing his word. You know, I've heard of missionary stories you know, where someone has had no access to the Bible, but they've had a dream that if they go to such and such a hut on such and such a river, someone there will give them what they need. And I've admitted, you probably read them, haven't you? And they find this hut and they say, I had a dream that you're going to give me something. And they give them a Bible or preach to them and they come to faith. And it works. Hey, I know we've been saved that long that we've forgotten this thing works, but this thing really works. I'm Facebook friends with the, the son of my first pastor, Tony Boston. His son is Anthony Boston, which is Tony, isn't it? He's named him after himself. <laughs> okay, took me 35 years to work that one out. Okay, <laughs> right? He now works for Teen Challenge. He's a great Christian. But when I knew him, he was a teenager. He was horrible! Seriously! You know, pastor's kids, you've all got to be wrong. You know, you don't think pastor's kids are meant to be perfect. You should see him. He was a terror, doing drugs. Turned up to church, never wanted to be there. I'm not even joking. We're laughing because we used to be. Okay. Yeah. Seriously, and you looked at him. And I said, no way that idiot is ever going to come to faith. Seriously, he was an embarrassment to his mum and dad. I don't know how his, his dad did the pastoring with his son doing that. But he did, and that tells you that when 1 Timothy 3 talks about your children have to conduct themselves well, it's not talking about kids running around church. It's not, okay? It's not talking about that. What happened to him? I left the church, I moved on. And he heard God's word and received faith and repentance. And now he preached to Jesus that he used to mock when his dad forced him to church all those years. It works! It works! It really works! So get him to a, get him to a Bible study. Get them to a sermon. Get them to a course. Get them to a church if that's even possible. And pray. Because the Ninevites were impossible. Absolutely impossible. But they, as Jonah's pathetic, <laughs> and he was pathetic, they believed God. And they repented of their sins. Amen. We'll do a few more verses next time. In one go, okay? Living Word.
Bible Church, teaching the Bible verse by verse.